right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. Ben, uh, the draft is behind us. Um, mini camp is still like a week away. <laughs> I think it's like a, a mini little dead period in the NFL schedule. Um, how are you how are you holding up? You know, it's uh, we were just talking about it's like trying to keep our wits together this time of year for sure. And uh, you know, thanks thanks to you for finding something cool to pull the most out of yesterday for sure that gave us a reason to talk here today but yeah it's definitely that time of year where it's like what's going on nothing okay goodbye <laughs> yeah a lot of bike rides in, in my world <laughs> enjoying the outdoors while we can the the season kind of monopolizes our time so we enjoy our, our downtime while we've got it but like you said you teed, it, teed that up beautifully well done that's a veteran move um, <laughs> yeah so this week i was able to uh i made the long jaunt out to uh, lake orion it's about 45 minutes north of the city uh to catch up with frank Ragnow at a really cool event i mean i've been doing this long enough that you know i've, I've seen a, a, a number of you know um golf tournaments um yeah softball games, you know, things like that to uh, help charities and it's all good stuff. Um, but it was like yesterday's event, I, I was uh, at, a, at a gun range, which is pretty <laughs> unique. I've never, like I told uh, Frank Ragnar who hosted the event, you know, like this has got to be an NFL beat reporting first. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty, pretty unique event. But as we all know, uh, Frank is Mr. Outdoors, you know, the hunting and the fishing, the fishing, especially. Um, you know, we saw him in Hard Knocks with the, you know, fishing with Jared Goff and Goff caught the underwear. It's pretty, pretty funny story. Um, but at this event, Ben, I was able to drill down just a little bit with Frank um, about where this love for the outdoors comes from. And he grew up in Minnesota, you know, not not that far out of Minneapolis. And um, he grew up hunting and and fishing from really from like the third grade, he said, with his father, John. Um and you know they went um hunting in in, in uh canada they've been pheasant hunting you know uh on the border i think with i don't know south south dakota iowa something like that I, i'm not too familiar with that that part of the country but um you know and and his father as i think a lot of people are aware his father passed um when frank was at arkansas and i think we know some of the bullet points of the story that you know, uh, his father had passed after a game against Elkhorn State. Um, uh, Arkansas was playing Alabama the following week. And not only did Frank play in that game, but he played well. And he played well throughout the rest of the year, didn't miss a game. Um, but he had a heavy heart, you know, as you can imagine, he was so close with his father. And, um, you know, I mean, he's called his, his father his best friend. And um, it was a really traumatic experience for him. Um, to lose his dad and to play through it and he played through it as a lot of guys do I think which is kind of gritting those teeth you know and and white knuckling it and just trying to get through the next day uh, and he played really well but there was some I would say un unprocessed trauma going on with him and you know Frank told some great stories at this event um, uh, including he had basically PTSD when he uh, was drafted by the Lions and he came to Allen Park um, and um it's it's just hard to hear it because I knew Frank at that point, right? When he comes in for his press conference, uh, and we're talking to him, and and but to now think back on what was going on behind the scenes, where he he would basically have PTSD about leaving his family behind in Minnesota because they'd already lost their their father, John. Um, so John being a great outdoorsman and kind of introducing Frank to all that, Frank um, created this foundation um, after he got drafted by the Lions. I think I think just a couple of years ago. 
It's called the Rags Remembered Foundation. And it's such a cool thing um, where Frank raises money and awareness um, for children uh, up to the age of 17 uh, who have lost loved ones. And they, they hold various events, but most of the events are geared around the outdoors, you know, in tribute to, to Frank's father. And so that brings a full circle to, to this week where he had this event at the gun range, you know, there's country music playing, there's <laughs> like ax throwing going on. I saw Panay Sewell throw an ax, which is as terrifying as it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ben, I've talked quite a bit here, but I just wanted to tee that up. That's, that's the sound we have coming in the back half of this program. It's me and uh, Dave Burkett from the free press talking to uh, Frank Ragnall about some of this stuff. And um you know, you, we, we, I could have written a, a nice story and I wrote a little story to go with this podcast on I'm, I'm Live. But, I, you know, yeah. something like this is really nice just sometimes to let the guy talk and to hear his story. It's, it's It doesn't need me inserted into it. It's it's his story to tell. And I think he does a great job telling it. So we have the full audio of, um, I don't know, I think it's like 17, 18 minutes with Frank um, at his event yesterday. The event was sold out, by the way. They raised a ton of money, thousands of dollars um, to help bring kids to Frank's summer camp. Uh, in June. It's June 10. If you Google uh, Rags Remembered Foundation, you can find all the information you need if you're interested in supporting the foundation. If you know a, a child maybe um, yeah. that could get involved with the camp on June 10, there's still spots open and now there's funding available uh, thanks to the event yesterday. It was a cool day, Ben. Um, and, and see again, seeing Panay Sewell throw an axe was it's going to haunt my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth the trip up there for sure. <laughs> so you and I were talking off air. I mean, that, that that's good stuff. Maybe we could talk a little bit about the offensive line before getting into Frank. Um, yeah. That's kind of like the topic du jour. It, it, it kind of has been for the past couple of years. They were expected to be one of the best in the league. Uh, two years ago, after drafting Panay, um, it never really happened that the starting five never played a snap together because Taylor Decker got hurt just yeah. days before the opener. And by the time he got back, uh, Frank was out with his foot injury. Uh, and then last year was almost the exact same tales days leading up to the opener and, and Vitae, um, hurts his back, doesn't play. Uh, and it, it, it's kind of remarkable to see that they, this team has not played a game, not even a snap with the starting five on the offensive line intact, since 2020 and yet has it really has become one of the best in the league and i think with everyone back this year and, and graham glasgow now signed um to compete with vitae at right guard uh it should be i, I mean i think the sky's the limit for this group up front no i do too and i mean it's just absolutely astounding when you say that the starting offensive line in detroit hasn't played a snap together since 2020 that's just mind-blowing considering all the great things we've written about that group i mean we've said it time and time again but hats off to hang fraley for writing that ship keeping it together and not only keeping it together but bringing it to new heights around these parts but it's just like Frank, it's like, you know what Frank's going to play through. Frank is a warrior. I mean, you laid it out perfectly there. He's been playing through emotional pain and physical pain for like six straight years, and he's one of the best football players on the face of the planet. But it's just like where this group can take a next step is the continued growth of Panay Sewell and the continued usage of Panay Sewell because I have no concerns about the guard position in 2023 because as much as I liked Evan Brown, what he brought to this team, Graham Glasgow is an upgrade at center and a guard over him and could be an upgrade over big V in the starting lineup. So this group got better. And I mean, you kind of have to expect growth out of this group. Jonah Jackson, you know, we don't know where he's going to be a year from now, but he's got another year to get better in the prime of his career. Same for Sewell. So it's like, 
<laughs> you get that core four, you're going to be all right. That's kind of like they've proven that two years in a row. You get that core four, you get a core four out of that five guys, and you're going to be all right. And, I mean, they want to run the ball. They want to run the play action. They want to run heavy set formations. I mean, you saw that after the Hawkinson trade. They want to, like, do everything through this offensive line. And when you have a quarterback like Jared Goff, who needs the script to stay as close to plan as possible to be playing at his best, it hurt. It really helps to have a group like this, keeping him safe and just kind of, that's a confidence booster. Every time you look up and you see Decker, Jackson, Ragnow, Sewell standing in front of you. Yeah. And then now you have Vitae presumably, yeah. uh, you know, inching toward health. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not going to count my, my chickens before um, they've hatched when it comes to a back injury with an offensive lineman. I will say Vitae showed up at the, at the thing yesterday um oh nice yeah and uh did not um speak on the record at least at least not with me um maybe did with dave i don't know dave's a maniac but i was gonna say sounds uh, like dave <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just have a hard time I, I probably shouldn't admit this publicly but like when i go to an event like that like it to me it's in my brain it's totally fine to talk to frank it's his event he wants to get publicity out there for the the, the stuff that he's doing with his charity and whatnot uh it just feels a little like uh, it feel great to me sometimes just to walk up to a different guy like hey like talk to me on the record about your 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 like long-standing right. injury or whatever I, I i don't know it it's probably i probably should it's probably my job but i just have a hard time as a, on a human level sometimes i was gonna say yeah it's a yeah. human at a charity um, event for kids who have lost their yeah. parents so it's like that's the right thought to have <laughs> yeah but i will say my time was there he's been in town he, he um is participating in the offseason program um you know so i think there's some hope there that he can contribute this year and i'm not saying that in a dismissive way I, i'm just not mm -hmm. ready to put him into the starting lineup yet he definitely has that capability particularly as a, as a run blocker and as you said this team wants to run the football that 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 is pretty clear they just spent a bunch of money on david montgomery uh, and they just spent the 12th overall pick on Jimmy Gibbs. And I know he's going to do a lot of pass catching and stuff too, but he is a running back. Yep. Uh, this team does want to run the football. Um, Vitae can really run block when he's, when he's healthy. It will be at, at one of my uh, biggest questions and the most intriguing storylines going into camp then is to see how the right guard situation plays out between Vitae and Graham Glasgow, because grass, you know, Glasgow was, we all know what he is. He he played all three interior spots during his um, first stint in Detroit. He played all those positions uh, very well. So I think they prioritize signing him because of that versatility. He can back up any of those spots. And as we've seen on that line, like, you know, you need a backup offensive lineman in this league. And now I think the Lions probably have one of the best six-man rotations in the league up front. I think that's a, a luxury most teams don't have. Um, but he could be a starting caliber player. He, he, he was really good here before he signed a big deal with Denver for three, you know, he was there for three years in Denver and probably wasn't as good in the end as he was in Detroit. But I think, you know, he's got a lot of experience and ability in this league and he's back in a place that first made him a really good player. And uh, I do think he's going to be legitimate competition for Vitae, even if Vitae is full strength for the job at right guard. And I think there's, I don't think even they know personally, I, I don't think they have um, necessarily an anticipation of who's going to be that guy week one, but, you know, for a team that has not played uh, intact with its offensive line and a million years, um, you know, the, you know, the lessons have been learned that having uh, options is a good thing. And the lines have some of the best, I think, plan B's up front uh, in the league.
Yeah, absolutely. And them giving Glasgow double the deal that Evan Brown got in Seattle really speaks to like how important they view that role. I mean, if Ragnall goes down, he's the guy. I mean, he could, like you said, he could very well beat out Big V, you know, a 30 year old who hasn't played in a year and a half coming off a back injury, who's got a history of injuries. That's if Big V is available, I think he's the starting guard. If Big V is Big V in training camp, I think he's the starting guard. But like, we have only seen that for like a brief stretch here. So I, I, Glasgow, whether he's the day one starter or not, he's going to be used in that offensive line. They love going heavy, and I, I they just they didn't give him plus four million for nothing for sure. But yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm with you. I think it's the Lions and the Eagles at the top of the NFL in six man rotations. I mean, they're they're the class of their own. Yeah, and they use it a lot too. The Lions do. They did they deploy a lot of six man rotations. I think maybe we'll see Glasgow in some of those uh, situations this year, or Vitae is the case right. maybe. Um, I want to go back to something you said on Panay. Uh, you know with. Uh, is it is what makes the Lions offensive line special. I, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of really good offensive lines out there, and the Lions are in that class, but the potential they have, like I just if there's an offensive lineman like Panay Sewell in the league, I'm not aware of him. And obviously you have to uh lock down the basics in terms of run and pass protection. And that's that's um I mean, he's got that. I mean, he yeah. he was so good last year, and even as a rookie, but he was particularly good last year. But the versatility is just insane. Um, you know, he was lining up at tight end and receiver and um, coming around like a freight train in the, in the blocking game. And, you know, Ben Johnson, we know about his like sequential play calling where he calls one thing to set up another. And yeah, he kept bringing Panay around in motion and, you know, in those blocking schemes, then, you know, bam, hits the, hits the Vikings with the pass on third down. Um <laughs> I'm really curious. I, I I just I'm really curious to see what they do with them because I think they have options. I I think there's creativity uh, left on that bone, uh, maybe that we haven't seen before in the NFL. Like I don't, I don't know how many guys can run like like Penne can. Um, I actually asked Ben Johnson, uh, yeah, at the combine, like kind of you know about this topic and like what's the next step when you're like, you know, because you can't just roll out the same playbook next year because teams will catch up uh, catch up to you so you're always trying to stay ahead of the curve and that's one of the reasons why they took Jameer Gibbs at 12th overall um Dan Campbell spoke to that uh during the draft that well, I'm sorry not Dan Campbell but Brad Holmes spoke to that during the draft and saying um that while so much of the external focus was on you know the offense is good how do you improve the defense internally they were also thinking how do we keep our our really good offense, the strength of our team, ahead of the curve uh, and continue innovation? Um, I think they got that with Gibbs, and I think Laporta, the tight end in the second round, is going to catch a lot of footballs this year. He looked really good. Um, if you missed last week's episode, go check it out. We talked a lot about Sam Laporta and how good he looked at uh, rookie minicamp. Um, but, man, Panay Sewell is a monster. He's a monster as a blocker, but he's so versatile. And I just do wonder, like I asked Ben, like I – what's the next step for this guy? And of course, Ben didn't tell us. He didn't give me that page of the playbook. <laughs> but um, this group has, has a chance to be something really good if, if they can stay healthy, which which they haven't. But, uh, you know, it seems like they're they're uh, turning that way now, uh, despite Frank Ragnow's uh, toe, which apparently will never be fixed. Yeah, seriously. And I mean, just another point on Sewell. It's like, it's really hard to Think about his ceiling because by the time he's going to be making his 34th start in the league, opening year three as a everyday starter, he's still going to be 22 years old. Yeah, like, there's insane. That's on 
unprecedented. A 22-year-old with three, I mean, that's just, I mean, like you said, he's a freak of nature. And it's like, we've seen the creativity start to come out as the offense gets better, the roster gets better. And it's just like, nothing would surprise me with this guy. Put him at fullback and a fourth and goal at the one-yard line. Like, I want that. (laughs) Well, Panay, as crazy as it is, he made uh, pro football focuses like top 25, under 25 this year. Uh, he could be a three-time entrant oh. on that list, <laughs> which is just crazy because, like, he's going into his third year. He could be a three-time member of the under-25 list. Like, Hendon Hooker is 25 right now. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But that's a big reason why they took him. I mean, it, like, the um, you know, it was just that the, he was an animal, but, like, uh, just so – like just so young and had so much room to grow, even despite how good he was at, at Oregon. I mean, like hearing some stories from out of Oregon when he was drafted and it was like, you know, it's pretty uncommon anywhere in major college football for a true freshman to start at left tackle. And like a week into training camp at Oregon, when Penny Sewell was 17 years old, their fifth year senior left guard, I forget his name now, but he played he played for the Giants in the league. He basically went into Mario Cristobal's office and demanded that Penesel immediately be put in the starting lineup at left tackle because he was just just killing folks. Uh, like the stories out of Oregon are just insane. We 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 actually know James Capia, the Oregon beat writer, and he was he's told me some stories about watching Penay just drive a, like one on one, just taking a guy 15 <laughs> yards and dumping him on his ass. I mean, it's just like crazy stuff. Oh man. He's a, he's a should we guy. uh should we get into Frank? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Cool. So yeah, I like I said, I you know, I I really enjoy, I, I like Frank in, in uh in general. I think he's a you know, he's a great player, obviously, a great teammate. Yeah. Um foundational piece. You can see why like he was the first guy they've really opened up the the purse for, um, the new regime. Um, even though he wasn't their guy, obviously, but they immediately saw what he was about. Um, and he's just a, I think the best word for Frank is just, he's just a pillar. I mean, like he's just so sturdy and so consistent in all the ways that you want a guy to be. And particularly like in the heart of a, an offensive line like that. Um, but to see the work that he's doing away from the field too, is uh, really cool. Uh, you know, I, I've lived in Detroit now for like a decade. So like, I feel kind of Detroiter now. And so to see him helping my community the way that he has, and um, you know, we hear a lot about charities that are helping kids with, cancer or people with cancer or all these other things and those are all important too and i'm not taking anything away from them certainly but um listening to frank talk about his foundation and how it's trying to help kids with grief that felt to me a little bit like um an underserved area and and so that itself is really cool but then also to hear how personal it is for him um it it was a I'm really glad I made the trip up there. You know, I'm in my off-season mode, so I was like, eh, I don't yeah. really have to go up there. <laughs> and I'm glad I did because he's doing some good stuff, and I'm happy to, um, you know, give it some publicity and some love and um, talk to Frank a little bit about his story in this area. So let's get to that. Uh, Frank Ragnall from this week at his um, Foundations event at the Bald Mountain Shooting Range. <laughs> awesome. Frank, good to see you. 
appreciate it, guys. Nice little setup out here. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. cool. It's going to be pretty sweet. I was surprised by how big it was. Not that it was like, fucking small, but like, this is like, it's going to be thing. supposedly over 100 people. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. You, sold, you sold it out? Yeah. That's cool. Because mm-hmm. it got to be a, like first in like NFL beat reporting, by the way, like doing a yeah, thing I was, out at a shoot. I was going to say, like, when <laughs> the idea was suggested to me, I, uh, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. How, how did it come about? What was the... Well, you know, the traditional uh, charitable opportunities, a lot of times like, with a fundraiser in the summer, golf. Yeah, yeah. And that's not really up my alley. I mean, I'll golf, but I'm kind of more yeah, into the fishing and the hunting sure. kind of thing. So they brought the, up the idea of a skeet shoot, and I said, wow, I didn't think that was even feasible. <laughs> and here we are, and it's going to be pretty dang cool. Well, I saw you warming up. It looks like you know your way around a rifle. Oh, honestly, <laughs> it wasn't as good as it could be, but it'll be good. Yeah. Are you better with a rifle or a fishing rod? Fishing rod, for sure. Yeah. Just... Most of the hunting seasons are in the fall, so it's yeah, tough, right? Yeah. But I get plenty of fishing in. Have you gotten some in this yeah, season? Yeah, we We're... moved over to Lake St. Clair. Yeah, okay. So I can just go right in the backyard and go yeah. off for a couple hours every day. It's really nice. You're there full-time now? Yeah. Cool. Uh-huh. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So with the shooting, I think we all know you're fishing exploits, right? And you put it on, on social media sometimes. How, how about shooting? Were you a big hunter when you were little? Yeah, I grew up hunting. Yeah. I grew up hunting, and then just once the football career, it's kind of been tough to get as much hunting in but like on tuesdays during the season if i'm feeling good so very rarely but <laughs> we're sneaking out there and uh i've gotten deer hunting a few times during the season uh, turkey hunting in the spring bird hunting when i can it's just not as available so you want to see as much do, for sure do you go with teammates at all or is it just you family no i mean a lot of these guys on the team i've gone fishing with a lot of them yeah but uh not hunting we saw the golf with the, with the underwear. Yeah. Any other memorable fishing tales with the team? I, had, I, brought, I brought Logan's going to be here today, but I brought Logan Stenberg out once, yeah. and it wasn't his fault, but it was pretty funny. He was sitting in my like co-chair on my boat. We hit a big wave, and the chair just broke. <laughs> so, it was our, it was a bad chair. It's a here. lot of it's a lot of human in one yeah, boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Up front there. Your, uh, so your dad was Rags, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I see on your hat mm-hmm. on the name of your foundation. I just. I'm not trying to make you cry on no. day or anything, but I was just curious, you know, I mean, what kind of memories you have with your father, maybe shooting, like how all this, you know, ties together. I mean, yeah, um, he, he, I mean, he's just, he's the one who introduced me to all of this. And we went on so many, like deer hunting camp for us was just like spiritual. It was every single year with the same people. So many stories, like besides the hunting right like the camp the eating all the stuff that in between it's just uh i'm incredibly grateful that he introduced that to me as a young age because i just think it's there's so many good things in the outdoors and it's so good for kids and i'm incredibly grateful that he did that for me how old were you when you started hunting when you first would have went out with your dad or i think i started going out you can't hunt until like sixth grade or something like that but i started going and just sitting in the stand or i used to walk the field with them like we had a dog cooper growing up and I used to be kind of be in charge of Cooper as he flushed the birds. But I think it was like third grade. Okay. Did you ever get out of school to go to go on hunts with Dad? Oh yeah, deer hunting season every year. <laughs> That's big when you're uh-huh. that age. Yeah. That's uh-huh. big. Like, unfortunately, our high school football team wasn't that good, so we weren't still playing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was able to sneak out. Yeah. yeah. And so, did you go in Minnesota, or did you guys go to your cabin in Canada? Minnesota. Where, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh huh. What's, you know, down around here, it's deer a lot. So what were you hunting? What kind of bird were you hunting up there? Pheasant hunting. Pheasant. So mm-hmm. my grandma is in the border. Like, right, she lives in Iowa, but it's in the border of Iowa and South Dakota, which is one of the world or the country's greatest pheasant hunting opportunities. So we did that a lot. Mm-hmm. Have you done any of these, like, big, like, 
I don't know if safari is the right word, but like excursion hunts like out west or abroad. Not really. I uh, I guess the most uh, crazy hunt would be I've done a hog hunt in, when oh, I was yeah. down in Arkansas a couple of times. That's fun. But otherwise, just your traditional stuff. <laughs> yeah. Carnivore, kind of <laughs> killing your own kind. Yeah. What's your best hunting story like with your dad or whatever? I mean, sort of like these fishing stories that, that kind of last forever. Really you know, we used to uh, um, sleep. And um, my dad's buddy worked for Rebath. It's like a, they tear down bathrooms and they redo it. And he would have his Rebath show trailer. And we would take it all out and we would turn it into a hunting camp. Yeah, so yeah. some hillbilly stuff right <laughs> here, right? And, uh, like there's a bathroom in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, we uh, had like a little VCR with a little TV that we'd watch, right? And one night my brother, it was my brother's first night out there. And we all fell asleep. We, everybody passed out besides him, and he was watching signs. And we were next to, right next to a cornfield. Didn't sleep that night. And walking and to go deer hunting, you have to wake up in the yeah. dark and kind of walk out to the stand early. There for us, just yeah. crying, like scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good one. Yeah. This is like, I mean, it's sort of like what you said, though, right? The spiritual. I mean, it sounds like these these bonding moments that you had with your dad, your brother, the uh, the whole crew. Like that's why you do this now. It's yeah, sort of like, it's just. It's just great, man. Like, it's, I guess it's my way to decompress. Like, a lot of people, uh, they're always asking me why I'm fishing alone. I do fish alone a lot. And I just think, I, it's not like in purpose, but I just think in a way, it's my way to just turn everything off and relax. Yeah. Get away from the busyness of yeah, football uh-huh. or whatever may be ailing you or yeah, whatever right? it is. Like, like, especially with, like, injuries and stuff like that. Like, it's just an opportunity right. to shut everything off. I mean, my wife gets pissed at me because I don't text back as good as I can, you know. But it's good for me. Could you tell us just a little bit about the foundation, the Rags Foundation, and, and like where this money's going, like mm-hmm. what kind of things you guys are doing with the foundation? So on June 10th, we're going to have a camp that we're hoping, sign up has already been open, but if you guys could push the link, yeah, I don't know what sure. it is exactly, but we're hoping to get over 100 kids out to a camp. It'll be a half-day camp where on the west side of the state where we'll be able to take kids out to go. I think there's going to be a little bit of fishing, a little bit of archery, a little bit of just hanging out in the outdoors. And we're trying to get every single kid to be a kid who had lost a family member or something mm. like that. So that's what the big fundraising focus is right now. And then we're going to have, we call them huddle ups during the season where we do tail, try to do as much tailgates as we can in home, right? So we're, we bring them Applebee's and all kinds of sign gear and all kinds of stuff. And then they, they get to watch the play, uh, game from and do their own little tailgate at home. And I didn't go to your event last year um, was is that a, the camp is that similar to what was going on last year I so know. last year no that's another thing we do i forgot to mention that it's, it's like, i guess it's called fishing with frank but we're trying to get like as much family i think our goal this year is six families to go out and actually spend a full day fishing but this camp in june is going to be way more the one in september the goal is to, for it to be more intimate you know yeah, to get yeah, really yeah. get to know the families and spend time with them. the one in june is to try to really have our reach and impact as much kids as we can gotcha it's amazing to see the, the way that you've used your story with your father and his passing to, I mean, to help people. Yeah, it's, um, it's just, uh, I don't know, I, for me, like, I, I've seen how other people, they lose family members. Some people grieve and they grieve privately, and I guess I, I don't know, I just think it's, you don't realize, I mean, everybody's affected by grief, and it sucks, and nobody wants, and, like, nobody talks about it for, like, it's like, the first two weeks and then life moves on you know it's like sorry for your loss checking on them and then everybody's life the world keeps on spinning you know so i don't know it's just important to me for me 
I held it in. I mean, it happened the week before we played Alabama, like week four of the season or whatever. I held it in and it was not good. And it's something that, you know, I'm still dealing with because you, you, you can compartmentalize all those feelings and they're going to catch up to you. What do you mean you weren't good, if you don't mind my asking? What was, Just what like, was your battle? Wasn't able to move on, right? Wasn't able to sleep at night. Like, I remember... Like, something that a lot of people don't know that was a challenge for me was so I trained in Minnesota after um, Arkansas and then to come to Detroit and leave my family I had like PTSD and the fact that I was always while I was here that first spring those first OTAs I was always worried about my family because it was like the leaving them again and I think a lot of that is because I didn't talk to anybody about it. So do events like this how do they assist the grieving process and how do they, you know, because it, it, I'm sure you get something out of it as much as you give to the kids and to the... Yeah, know, I just think it's just, know. I think it's just, I was 21 or 20 and I can't imagine a kid, right? So just me being able to talk to a kid or anybody, you know, it's, I just think it's hopefully beneficial for them. I have just one more question on, on all of that. You, you kept... Playing, I think maybe you missed one game or maybe zero. I, None, I yeah. None, yeah. So, like, losing someone who meant so much to you and feeling the, all the things that you were feeling, not only to go on the field, but to play well. Like, how? I guess, how, how did you do that? I mean, I think the biggest motivator for me was just knowing, like, he was my biggest fan, man. Like, my yeah. dad had Google alerts set. Like, every art, like, you write an article that has my name, he's getting a text. <laughs> like, he was, my siblings make fun of me because he was a little bit obsessive. And he was so proud. And just the fact that that was like, people asked me like how I was able to play that week. It was a no brainer because I just knew that's what he would want me to do. And that's, I kind of just rode that off until yeah. it eventually caught up to me. What know? was that? It was Alabama you said, right? Well, I, I guess what did you do as a tribute or what was your routine like, your mind space like during it was that game? I can't, <laughs> I can't even imagine. It was brutal. It was just, it sucked. It was, yeah. it was, I mean, I was proud of myself after, but I was, that whole week after every practice, I was crying, you know, crying yeah. in the bathroom. My team, Coach Bielema was our coach at the time, and he was incredible. You know, my teammates really rallied around me, but uh, it was really tough. And one thing that was really cool is Nick Saban lost his dad when he was young, and he came up and found me after the game and shook my hand and let, me, let him know that he was thinking about me, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, but it was, cool. it was, it sucked. Yeah. yeah. How many, how many teammates who do you, who do you come out here today? Mostly O line. Logan, Ross, Aze, Big V, Panay, Coyote, uh, Brock Wright, Shane Zilstra, uh, Levi's coming for a little bit, and Amon Ross coming for a little bit too. Any of them particularly? They're all good at this. <laughs> no, everybody's nervous. Okay. Amon Ross, so cowboy. Yeah, I can he's never. Yeah, yeah, he told me, like, dude, I've never shot a gun before. I'm like, don't worry, that will be safety briefings. So it should be interesting. Hopefully, everyone's not harmed. Yeah, no doubt. Um, one more thing, I just the whole you know charity foundation. Can you just share a story of just maybe the impact that it had? You know, people that you spent some time with last year. I don't know, just the. You know, what you saw from them, what you heard from them. And yeah, we had a, we had a, one of those um, in-home tailgates, and uh, a comment that uh, kind of hit me was there's a, there's a young boy who lost his older brother to suicide, and uh, he met his wife, or his mom made the comment to us that he made the comment that it was, it was just felt so good to realize that other people are going through it, 
and people like, like someone on my platform. And I think that's like the coolest part is just being able to, because a lot of people, they grieve and it's just like life goes on and you don't really grieve. And for him to realize that everybody kind of goes through it, I think is important. One personal thing, uh, father, fatherhood coming for August, you, right? August yeah. 11th, dude. Okay, I saw that on, on social media too. So I, I joke, I've been joking with Hank. I keep telling him I'm going to name my son Dexter <laughs> because hopefully I missed the practice versus Dexter Lawrence. <laughs> but no, we're not naming him Dexter. Yeah, yeah so that's going to be hectic. It's going to be really hectic. Are you, uh, you know, it's life-changing, you know, speaking from oh, someone I'm scared who to death. Too. Yeah. I'm scared to death. You know, I just had, like I've said, I've had, I had an incredible dad and it's such an important role in someone's life and, uh, I just don't, I don't want to screw it up. You're in charge of a kid. It's just crazy to fathom. But my wife's incredible. We got incredible support groups, and it's going to be great. Son, is it a boy? Boy. Okay. Uh huh. So do you have a name picked out? We do have a name, but not revealed yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. You thinking left tackle, right tackle, <laughs> we'll see. guard maybe? We'll see. She's a short gymnast, so we'll see what change it gets. Do like the Riola thing, make him a quarterback. So yeah. yeah. Holy smokes. The, you know, you guys I had no clue so. he was that good. Yeah, right? Pretty amazing. Five star, with whatever that means, but yeah. still sweet. Last How time I saw him was like nine years old. We were like, Do they live around Jersey. here? Uh, we oh, actually flown on the same flight to Got Jersey it. one time for a game out there, and he's like nine years old. And then I didn't even know he was that good, and all of a sudden I saw some he's of the number one. Exactly. Yeah. He was playing for John Kitten's kid in Texas. They moved back to Arizona. Holy smokes, just all kinds <laughs> crazy, of weird lines crazy connections. Lines connections. <laughs> back to Arizona. How are you health wise? Everything good with your foot? Coming along. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, good we're being smart with it though we're not uh, rushing making sure i get enough rest because last season was yeah. one to forget in that in terms of that so we're trying to be smart through it last year yeah it was brutal so trying to be smart with it Did you end I up think... having to have surgery or anything like no that? no I mean, no that's good right but... yeah in a way <laughs> in a way yeah <laughs> well i mean just couldn't totally correct it then i guess is that that's a deal where it's uh kind of inoperable so uh it's kind of something that we're trying to Navigate, manage. yeah, manage, yeah. Sounds like something, but maybe. Hopefully, it's not going to be near to the grat or the altitude of last year. Yeah, where what it was like brutal. So when you say inoperable, like what is? So that planter plate, remember I tore it. Yeah, it retore the first game of the season for the Eagles okay. on the first drive. Okay. So. And you just want to start now, again. And now there's no healthy tissue left. So it have to be. It would have to be an experimental procedure to get that done and that's not something the NFL alignment are in the business of. <laughs> so you just I mean for your career it's just it's not like mind over matter tough no because it uh, there's a lot it's turf it's like turf toe right yeah. it's the most severe degree turf toe a lot of guys it just depends on how it impacts different guys like it's different because your sesamoids move and stuff like that but a lot of guys they don't even get the surgery right so it just depends but hopefully it scars over and that's kind of how it's been and it's, it's a lot better. So it's, it's a ligament? Huh? Is that right? Is that the word ligament? Is that what you tore in the toe? I'm pretty sure. Plantar plate. I think it's a, lig- yeah. it's a ligament or a tendon. So either way, though, my point was just I, I can't imagine like not only playing on something like that as a O lineman, but in Carolina where the field is like oh, yeah, uh, concrete. What was that game like for you? It was brutal. Yeah. It was, all, all the games were tough. Yeah. It was tough because I just was so mad that it happened again. Right. Yeah. I was over it. had a great training camp feeling good and then the first game of the season yeah. happened so i just had to fight through it so you uh rest plan you can now right? I mean, <laughs> figure out yeah how much practice you need they're being great yeah. yeah and I'll, I'll be 
pretty normal. They're just going to take care of me. Like an old vet, I guess. You're six, already an old vet. <laughs> um, one question I wanted to ask you was, you know, you were a first-round pick in 2018. Um, it wasn't until year five for you that you had been, like, anywhere but last place after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, obviously, you can't turn on your television or whatever without hearing yeah, love crazy, for the Lions. Right? Yeah. What has that been like for you this offseason to kind of see the way the tenor has changed around this team? And I guess how do you live with the expectations? It's wild, man. I mean, you know, since 2018, there hasn't been – it's been tough. We've had a tough, lot of tough seasons. Last season was the most fun season of my career. And uh, I think it's just like for me being an older player in the locker room, I'm trying to be mature about it and understand that I need to – that we as a team, we need to embrace what's – the potential, the fact that we've got a good roster, we've got a great coaching staff, things, stars are aligning, but we also have to realize that we haven't done nothing. And we didn't, and everyone's excited about last year, but we didn't even make the playoffs. And we need to keep that in the back of our mind at all times as a team, but also embrace the opportunity because let's be honest, it is an opportunity where we're looking at our roster, it's exciting. It looks good. I mean, it looks like you got some parts. And yeah. Path is sort of laid out for you. Yeah, we just have to, like I said, kind of take her one day at a time and realize that it's not just going to happen. Taylor said this offseason, all starts with you guys up front, too. I mean, I'm sure that's always the mentality, but uh-huh. especially knowing as, as good as that group was. And yeah. And just hope we can all just stay healthy, right? Like everybody just. And then I think it can be a very special group. Awesome. Good stuff, Frank. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming. Sure. So what's the I, – I asked Jason, what, just so familiar with what is going on exactly. Like you guys take these golf carts to places? Yeah, it's kind of like golf, right? You go to holes, okay. but you go to different uh, opportunities, I guess. There will be different – you see how ABC – so, like, yeah. each thing is how a different flight path. So at each station, there will be different flight paths and different difficulties, you know. It's all around. Yeah, so there's two sides. Two sides. And you take the golf course and you go to each hole, I guess, if you want. Gotcha. Yeah. Have you, how often do you place your Not often. No. Okay. I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm happy I got a few shots. Yeah, yeah. Nice to appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of M Live's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an M Live Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.